Get ready for unique, rare, and little-known treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to The Amazing World of Radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to The Amazing World of Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me. Box 13 at greatdetectives.net. Our Man of a Thousand Voices continues, and today we're going to bring you an episode of Nightcap Yarns with Frank Graham, the original air date, March the 29th of 1939, and this one is Cactus Has a Heart. It wasn't often that anyone on Pop Martin's ranch had a chance to talk for any length of time. All the hands had been there so long they'd exhausted subjects for conversation years before. That's why Bill Dunham, the reporter from Reno, found the cowhands so willing to give him all the dope. Well, let me see. Uh, first thing I saw of Dixie Barnes was the day after she got here. Me and Cactus was just leaving for the West End when we see this dame riding out toward the pass. When I says to Cactus, look, a filly. He squints up uh, the way he always does, and he answers back. My sundown. It is a dame. And would you look at her push that colt around? Well, so I I looked at her again, and sure enough, she's riding as good as a man. Well, naturally, that starts it all, and we get to asking questions around, and we find out that nobody knows nothing about her. And if they do, they ain't telling. Well, all anyone can say is that she's on the premises, and that from close up, she's a good looker. Well, Cactus, being the oldest hand and the most friendly with the boss... Says he'll see if he can't pump something about it from old man Martin. Uh, Cactus does it diplomatic-like, too. He says to the boss, And say, Pop, if that Miss, um, uh, Miss, uh, uh, um, what's her name? Well, the boss kind of stumbles around for a minute and then answers back. Well, her name's, uh, well, um, uh, Daisy, uh, Daisy Jones. Oh, well, uh, uh, if Daisy Jones wants to uh, ride any of the horses, I reckon it's all right, huh? Well, sure, sure, Cactus. Uh, she's going to be here for quite a spell, and, well, it's sort of a vacation for her, so let her do what she pleases. Well, mister, Cactus then comes out to us, and we all say, Well, Cactus, we all say, what'd you find out? And he answers back, By sundown, there's something funny about this. Did you find out a name? Yeah, uh, Daisy Jones. Well, by this time, you can see all the boys is mighty interested in this Daisy Jones. Especially Cactus and, well, uh, one other of the boys, uh, one of Cactus's best friends. Well, the next few days, nothing special happens, and, and uh, the talk about Daisy gradually dies down. But one morning, just a little while after Daisy got here, Cactus comes out of the bunkhouse and runs into this particular friend I mentioned. The friend looks up and nearly falls off his sorrel because of what he sees. Cactus, what's the big idea? Idea? What do you mean, Jerry? The whiskers. Oh, that? Well, I reckon I can shave if I feel like it. <laughs> well, if you knew Cactus, you'd know why he looked so funny without his whiskers. Cactus is called Cactus on account of the half-inch of beard that he always has on his face, all red and bristly like it is. Without it, he looks kind of silly and a heck of a lot younger than he really is. Well, anyhow, this friend asks a few more questions, and then Cactus turns the tables. Well, 
Reckon while you're talking about my whiskers, I should ask you why you're all fixed up in your fancy outfit. By sundown, I believe you think maybe Daisy uh, uh, Miss Jones would give you a tumble. I wasn't figuring no such thing. But why'd you shave when you only trim your beard usually with the shearing scissors? I just wanted to shave, that's all. Listen, Cactus, you're too old to be thinking about dames. Yeah, but sometimes dames likes older guys. They're more settled than colts like you. <laughs> well, sir, Cactus and his friend being such good buddies, it, you know, it was kind of funny for them to be yelling at each other like that. Of course, it, it wasn't a serious argument yet, and they patched it up all right. But as things went on, it got worse and worse. This friend, the Cactuses, caught him hanging around the house several times, just waiting and hoping that he'd get a chance to meet Daisy. The friend accused Cactus of going soft, and Cactus answers right back with the same thing. Well, another argument follows in which both parties claims they ain't doing no such thing, and it comes to a deadlock because neither Cactus or this friend can prove anything. Well, the next day, these two were sitting on the corral fence just sort of talking and avoiding the subject when all of a sudden Cactus looks out toward the hills kind of, well, kind of dreamy-like, and the friend notices it. Hey, what you thinking about, Cactus? Huh? Oh, I'm just thinking. Yeah, I figured that out, but uh, what was you just thinking about is what I asked. Oh, well, well, you want it straight, Jerry? Sure. You and me's always been pals. There's no reason why we can't say what we mean without hashing words. Well, Cactus turns in and looks at him kind of like a cow looks up from grazing. Jerry, you you kind of like this Daisy, don't you? Well, I, uh, I... Oh, don't try to say it ain't so. I can see it. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Jerry. I'm going to back out. Like you say, I'm kind of old, I reckon, and she ain't even looked at me all the time she's been here. This last he said kind of like in a play, all sad. And then he went on. I won't stand in your way, Jerry, and I hope you and she will be very, very happy. Well, this took this friend to his by surprise. Well, I, I don't know what to say, Cactus. I didn't mean that when I said you was getting old. Besides, Daisy ain't never paid any attention to me, neither. Maybe it's you she likes. And maybe it ain't either of us. Hmm. Neither. Well, neither. Well, sir, maybe so. I... Cactus stopped short. He'd happen to look around just at that moment, and who was walking up to them but this Daisy, all smiles. She saunters up and stops and says, Are you Cactus and Jerry? And Cactus and his friend just gulps and, and then remember to take their hats off while Daisy goes on. Mr. Martin said that one of you boys would act as a guide to show me the way up to Camelback. I want to ride up there, and he said I'd get lost if I went along. Both boys jumped down off the fence. Oh, I'll be glad to, miss. Uh, let me take you, Miss Daisy. Well, the girl looks up quick. Daisy? Oh, yes. Well, I'm not going till tomorrow, but I'd love to have either one of you guide me. That is, if you're not busy. Bye, boys. I'll see you later. <laughs> then she saunters off again, leaving the two of them standing there. A cactus with a grin on his face and the other one with a troubled expression. So, my pal Cactus, you're going to back out and leave it to me. Now, don't get sore, Jerry. I, I thought she was looking at me. I, I kind of figured... Well, whatever you figured, I'm going to hold you to your bargain now. I might as well admit it. I'm, I'm, well, I do like Daisy, and 
By this time, Cactus was gulping again, and this friend of his seeing he's taking it so hard just sort of shuts up, thinking that Cactus had given up and didn't want it rubbed in. But that night, the whole thing really broke loose again. Cactus is in the bunkhouse when his friend walks in. Hello, Cactus. Hello, Jerry. Nice night, ain't it? Yeah, it's a nice night. It should be a nice day tomorrow if... Just then, he gets a look at what Cactus is doing. Hey, what are you doing, Cactus? I? I, uh, well, I'm packing my saddle sack for the trip tomorrow. Now listen, Cactus. You ain't going on that trip, see? Now wait a minute, Jerry. Wait a minute, nothing. We've got to have this thing out. Oh, hold on there, partner. You... No use, Cactus. We've got to settle this thing now. Well, Cactus gets up from where he's squatting and looks at the friend for a long time. And then he walks over to where his holster's hanging on the bunk and takes out his forty-four. He comes back and looks at Jerry. Well, I reckon we'd better settle it then. There's one sure way, if it's okay by you. He slides his forty-four onto the table. Well, his friend stands there looking hard and he grins with his teeth tight together and his eyes narrowed and determined like. Okay, Cactus. I always said I was a better shot than you. I didn't think I'd have to prove it this way. And Cactus interrupted him. Let's get it over with. The moon's shining so he can see. Might as well. Out in the canyon? Yeah, out in the canyon where nobody can hear. Remember, this is the end. Only one of us will call at the house tomorrow to get Daisy. There's no backing out. I know all that. Let's get going. Well, the two of them then ride all the way out to Spears Canyon without saying a word. And they're careful to be sure no one sees them leave. When they get out there, they tie the horses and walk on a little farther. And then Cactus stops. This okay? Sure. How about 50 paces? Okay by me. And then these two look at each other and Cactus grins and reaches out a hand. Well, Jerry, old partner, I... I, uh... Good luck. Same to you, Cactus. Well, sir, just a minute later, Spears Canyon was echoing the sounds of their shots. But it didn't take long to see who had the upper hand. Well, early the next morning, it was Cactus Gus who walked up to the house to get Miss Daisy alone. There was no argument about it now. Pop Martin met him at the door. Well, howdy, Cactus. What's up? Hey, you look a mite concerned about something. No, no, I ain't, Pop. Say, uh... Where's Miss Daisy Jones? Oh, oh, uh, well, her her name ain't really Daisy Jones. Uh, she's Dixie Barnes, the uh, Hollywood star. Cactus shook his head. The Hollywood star? You mean... Yep. You see, uh, she wanted to get married, but... Well, she didn't want them newspaper guys to find it out until after it was all over. So what she did was plan it this way. She'd get married and then hide out here for two weeks. But her husband would go right on back to work in Hollywood. And pick her up later. That'd throw everybody off the trail, see? But, uh... Well, but I'm... Well, Pop, I... Uh, what happened? Just the way she planned it. Worked fine, Cactus. Only, uh... Only her husband came a day early. He, he picked her up last night, uh... And they're honeymooning someplace now. During this whole recital of facts by the cowhand, Bill Dunham, the reporter from Reno, had been lying on his back just resting after his long ride. But when marriage was mentioned, he sat bolt upright. Holy mackerel! Listen, my friend. Is all this you've been telling me straight goods? Show is. Show enough is, partner. 
Bill jumped to his feet. Wow, what a scoop! Dixie Barnes married! Then he thought of something else. Wait a minute. Hey, this is even bigger than I thought. Look, lovesick cowhand kills Buddy over Dixie Barnes. What a story! It was the cowhand's turn to rise now. Uh, wait a minute. What are you talking about, partner? Well, this, this cactus guy, he, he shot that friend of his, that, um, that, that Jerry you said so yourself. I didn't say nothing like that. They just settled their argument the way we always settle arguments around here. Shooting at a tin can at 50 paces. But Bill Dunham was determined not to let the best story of the year go just like that. Don't give me that. You're just trying to cover this guy Cactus, that's what. You're probably pals. Pals trying to get away with murder. The cowhand stretched to his full height. Listen. Cactus is a friend of mine, all right. Best friend I ever had. But there wasn't no murder, see? I wasn't going to tell you this, partner. But I'm Jerry. And do I look like a corpse? Welcome back. This was a cute story. I, I did kind of wonder about logic of a couple points, but I think those are mostly easily handled. Uh, one thing I found myself wondering is why did the actress make a date for the next day if she wasn't going to be able to go? And the answer is that the schedule of her and her husband was probably not exactly nailed down. He might have finished uh, shooting early. That's not really a problem. The other thing that might be an issue is the way that the story was told certainly led us to believe it was a duel to the death. If they were just going to shoot a tin can at 50 paces, why be so secretive about leaving camp? Here, though, I think you, you kind of can let the show slide because the cowboy is telling a story. To an extent, he's leading on the slicker reporter and leading him to believe it was a duel to the death, setting up the big reveal at the end, which, to be honest, I saw coming from uh, several minutes in where this was going to go. Still, as I said, a pretty cute story. Now, I'm going to go ahead and do one more of the sort of post-show commentary general overview things and acknowledge that in addition to these Men of a Thousand Voices uh, shows, there were uh, quite a few storytelling uh, broadcasts. And I think they were different because the people who were telling the stories, they were not trying to be a one-man theater. It was essentially a precursor to audiobooks, or perhaps just a spoken word uh, performance. Uh, one of the great examples in this uh, storytelling genre is John Nesbitt and his Passing Parade program, which uh, was many things where he would uh, narrate a story and tell uh, a, a tale uh, from real life, in many ways as a predecessor to Paul Harvey. We played a uh, three episodes of his last year, uh, two as part of another series, also uh, did voiceover for a series of 
theatrical shorts under that same title as The Passing Parade. There were also various other spoken word broadcasts, many focused on poetry, uh, quite popular, you know, but of course there were narrative poems, and there were some uh, prose stories that were read on the air. One of the more unusual storytelling uh, broadcast was Comics Weekly Man. This was an East Coast program which Lon Clark, uh, probably best known to radio fans as Nick Carter Master Detective, would read the Sunday comics to a little girl. And by extension to the children uh, listening at home, though also I imagine this was uh, something that would be helpful if you were lying back during this era. At any rate, I've covered all of the sort of topical discussions I intended to do. So from here on out, I'll stick to talking about the episodes uh, or answering your feedback, unless there's something specifically in the episodes that calls for a further discussion. All right, well, that will do it for today. If you do have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Next week, we return to Paul Freeze and an episode of Studio X. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>